0: Heavenly Father, give you thanks and praise that you've gathered us this morning. And as we gather now uh, in your name, I pray that you'd be in the midst of us. And and ultimately, Lord, as we interact this morning with the scriptures, we pray ultimately that uh, that you would interact with us and that your living word would go forth um, in a way which is Challenging in a way which is encouraging, in a way which ultimately draws us to you and shapes and fashions us uh, in relationship with you. For you alone are our life and our salvation. So we make this appeal to you, most gracious God, and pray that you'd be in the midst of us now, uh, in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. I'm put that, uh, put that there, and uh, as we. Continue on with our reflection on the parables today. We're it's kind of a mini parable. Um, it's it's really it's really short. Uh, a little mini a little mini parable. <laughs> it's kind of like Mighty Mouse though, but it packs a punch. Um, there there's there's a lot for us to hear and a lot for us to um, experience in it. And it is uh, and I didn't uh, I didn't have my computer with me this morning to print out. The the gospel text for you, but I'll I'll read it to you, uh, and it's uh, it's very short. It is um, six verses, uh, six verses, and it is Mark seven twenty four, and it, it this appears in two places. It's in Mark's gospel, uh, but it's also in Matthew's gospel, and and as y'all uh, as y'all likely know, the synoptic gospels uh, share um, a lot of similarities, and that's such a that's such a 50 cent word. Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, are referred to as the synoptic, the synoptic gospels. Likely believing upon their... You know, their it's, it's not as if they were sitting in class copying one another. Um, but they draw upon a lot of the same uh, source. Whereas John's is the most unique of the four gospels. Uh, I saw a little skit one time that explained it wonderfully. And it's kids in Sunday school... And Matthew, Mark, and Luke are there, and they're all looking on one another's paper. The teacher, the Sunday school teacher's giving them an assignment, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all looking on one another's paper. And John comes in late, and she says, Well, you can just do yours later. Um, and so I thought that kind of helps to understand the synoptics as opposed to John's gospel. But this particular encounter, it's, it's an encounter, uh, between Jesus and a sorrow Phoenician woman, which would, among the things that that would tell us is that she's an outsider. Uh, Jesus and an outsider someone who is and she'd be an outsider there'd be a lot of barriers between Jesus and her uh, beyond uh, just uh, one the fact that she would be viewed as a pagan uh, as as a Gentile she'd be seen as someone outside um, the faith and outside the community of faith so she's very much an outsider uh, in that respect she's a foreigner Jesus and the disciples have left uh, the area of Israel and they've traveled into Gentile country. And, and we'll see in just a moment, when we read this. Basically, Jesus um, had gotten away for a brief period for, for any number of reasons. One, to rest and to catch his breath uh, in, in part as a result of um, the opposition and the hostility and the rejection of the people that he came to save. Uh, but But part of it also, and this is speculation, is that Herod um, believed that in Jesus, John the Baptist had come back to life. Uh, and if you remember, Herod had executed um, John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist had pointed out uh, his uh, his sins and his shortcomings, uh, and, and, and those of his brother's um, wife that he had married. Um, and if you remember, she didn't take uh, a woman scorned. Um, she didn't take lightly to that uh, and... Uh, John the Baptist was beheaded, so it's entirely possible that that Herod uh, thinks that Jesus is the return of John the Baptist and wants to um, execute him as well, and of course, Jesus' time will come, uh, but the time hadn't come yet, so Jesus has gone away to Tyre and Sidon, he encounters this woman that's an outsider uh, because of you know being from that particular region, and also that particular region as well, this just sort of heightens part of what's going on here, this, uh, the, the region that he was in, they had often taken, in some of the various wars and interactions with the Jews, they had taken the other side. It'd be like in the Middle East today, neighboring countries um, that always took the side uh, opposed to you. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of history here. Another thing, another factor would be that certainly for a, a good Jewish man, um, you would not speak um, to a, a woman. Uh, you didn't know in public, or, or even just speak to a woman in, in public. Period, particularly um, a foreigner, and that was a, I mean that was a very entrenched custom in that particular day. And in fact, in uh, as I mentioned, this is only in Mark's gospel, and again in Matthew's gospel. And in Matthew's account, the disciples say, "Send her away because she keeps calling out to us. Send her away because she keeps crying out to us. We we don't want her to make us unclean. We don't have any interaction." Um, With this person. So what a setup, right? Um, So there's all these various um, barriers uh, in in the way here. So here, let me read it to you. And from there, um, he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, and here's our little mini parable Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Uh, are you, have you all heard this one before? And this is one of those. I don't know about y'all, but you know, this is one of those first year you just think, man, um, Jesus was having a bad day. Uh, it, it seems. Uh, it seems very... I mean, does it is it just me, or when you first hear that, you just think, "God, thought, this isn't nice, Jesus. Um, this is this seems like cranky Jesus. Um, what's 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 going on here?" You know, in uh, in that time, as as in our time, it, it wasn't complimentary to be called a dog then, um, as it is uh, not complimentary to be uh, called that now. We're going to unpack this a little bit, but I'll tell you a story about something that happened to me recently. We um, uh, we got invited. This is one of those uh, I-, I love Paula Butt stories. Um, we we got invited. So some friends of ours, uh, they're originally from New Orleans, and they were Katrina refugees. And after Katrina, moved up here to Birmingham. And their oldest daughter and our middle were, you know, were buddies, and they cheered together, and were friends together through uh, through high school, etc. And um, as I mentioned, they from New Orleans originally. And they invited us. He was going to be, uh, king of the Olympian crew, right? You know, the crew balls down there. Big, uh, big, big, big deal, um, down there. And so we got invited down and Paula, any, any event or activity, she's all in. So we, we went down. It was going to be on a Friday night. We drove down Friday after work, um, you know, got in there just sort of in the, in the nick of time, changed our clothes. We went to the, we went to the ball, which started, which actually it started later, um, in the evening. And we, um, and we arrive, we, uh, we, sh- we show up, and they look at me and they say, I'm sorry, sir, you're not going to be able to come in dressed like that. And it was one of those, you just, I'm just like, oh, um, and they were, and they were serious as a heart attack. I mean, they were not, they were not kidding around. I mean, seriously, they're like, I'm sorry, sir, you're not going to be able to come in dressed like that. And I just thought, I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what? Um, and so I was in my tux, you know, I'd taken it to the cleaners of, you know, quick sniff and, you know, I'm, 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 clean. What's, what's up here? I've got my tux on. I'm ready to go. Well, and this gets to the point where I found out later that Paula never reads her emails. Um, uh, it had been made clear in the email and, uh, from our friend to Paula to make sure to pass on to me, um, that, uh, what costume de rigueur means. Um, well, uh, for me, I've, if y'all have ever been to those different Mardi Gras events, you know, there's a lot of costumes and fanfare and, and this, that, and the other, and I, I assume that that referred to the crew. Um, I'm like, all right, so they'll be in costume, but I'm, I'm a guest, so I'm going to show up and I'll wear my tux and all that kind of good stuff. Well apparently, uh, what that means and, and the clear delineation in the email to Paula that she didn't read is that it uh, strictly tails uh, and white, um, so, uh, you know, and they, and they listen, this is life or death. They're not kidding. Uh, it's you know, it's it's tails uh, and white, and and of course I'm like, well, I'm t- I'm like well, I said, well, is there is there anywhere I can go? Um, you know, is there a place I can go and rent tails and uh, and white here? And they're like, you know, this is maybe eight thirty o'clock uh, on Friday night, and they're like, yeah, there's nowhere, there's nowhere you can go, and. And Paul's like, well, this is just ridiculous, Craig. This is just ridiculous. Come on, nobody's going to notice. Everybody's <laughs> going to be so drunk. No one's even going to notice. And I'm just like, all right. And then so, you know, Paula, uh, Paula, the pit bull, she's like, this is ridiculous. Um, you know what? This is just ridiculous. We've come all this way. We're, we're going in. And they're like, all right, you can go in, but just stay toward the back. Um <laughs> You know, don't go out on the dance floor, just, you know, sort of staying back with the help, uh, but don't, don't venture out. And before it's all said and done, not only uh, are we in there, we're out on the dance floor, but we go up onto the stage to greet, uh, to greet the king. And then, you know, the night goes on. Oh, Craig, don't be silly. No one's going to notice. I'm like, you know what, they're whatever. They're, they're. 200 guys uh, in here, and you know who is wearing black? Me and the cameraman. Um, we were the we were the only two. Uh, and as you might did, I feel like an outsider. Um, I mean, it was one of those uh, awkward. It was kind of one of those. I thought, you know, Lord, I suppose there's a lesson here. Um, you know, here here we go. And it and it even got better as the night went on. You know, there's the whole ball part of it and then you go to breakfast late uh sort of late at night early in the morning you you go into breakfast and of course we're seated up at the king's table um so it's like my uh, continued walk of shame as i'm walking up there and we're sitting up there in the front and i'm like i'm the dude they didn't get the email um i'm the one i'm the one at black tie it's it's you know it's it's funny now um and even to some degree is the night when i'm just like there it is i've I've had more embarrassing things happen to me and as life goes on probably be things more embarrassing still but yeah was I was I embarrassed um, a, a, absolutely did I feel like a, an outsider uh, w- without a doubt uh, and yet um uh, we we could say that Paula has persistent faith um she was going to continue to she was going to continue to press and as we hear this interaction with Jesus and the Syrophoenician woman this outsider there, there's a there's a uh, as I say, really, it, in, in many ways, in all honesty, this and this little brief encounter and this little brief parable is the is the heart of the gospel. Uh, the the heart of the gospel is in this. And I heard one commentator on this and I thought this was a great this was a great line. He said, you know, there are. He said, basically, there are they're the courageous, they're cowards, and they're parents. Um, and, and, he's, and one of the things we see is she comes to Jesus with a persistence. Um, she approaches Jesus, which uh, you know, for you and for me to understand, she approaches God with a with a persistence. Um, why? Because she's a parent, um, and and her child uh, is in danger, and her child is in need, uh, and you know. Oftentimes uh, we might be um, we might be uh, cowardly and, and hesitant in normal life, but when it comes to the well-being of our child, suddenly that's you know we we, we find another level of of, of courage and persistence. Uh, and so uh, she comes to Jesus. Jesus, um, and this this seems to happen to Jesus um, oftentimes is that. When he desires to draw aside and pray and have communion and fellowship with the Father, when he, when he desires to have that time um, to refresh and replenish, we hear that even in Tyre and Sidon, Jesus has gone away thinking um, that he's going to have time to regroup, but we are told um, he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, um, yet he could not be hidden. Um, word had traveled, and this woman comes persistently, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came uh, and, fell down, uh, and fell down at his feet, um, and, and so we, there is a uh, there, there's a there's a reverence here um, with which there's a, there, there's there's an earnestness, and again in in her approach um, to Jesus we, we we see something here, don't we? Um, we see something perhaps that can be applied. Um, To our faith as well, something um, perhaps that has something to say about the way uh, and we which we approach God. And again, in in Matthew's uh, encounter, the disciples are are saying to Jesus, send her away, Um, send send her, send her uh, away as she calls out. But she comes um, and she falls down at Jesus's feet and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter and again this is uh it's it seems like very much a rebuke doesn't it uh, and he said to her let the children be fed first for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs Which, what's what y'all's first reaction as you hear that anything <laughs> yeah it, it 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 is it is harsh um it's definitely harsh i um Do any of y'all, did any of y'all ever watch The Office, Um, that that show The Office? And um, uh, uh, Paula, and it's funny, Paula and Jack and Maisie and Sally, they all love it. And I I like it now, but in like the first season or so, it was, for me, it was hard to watch because it's so awkward. Um, I mean, I'm like, it was great writing and and great acting, uh, but just my... My awkward meter would go off the charts. I'm just like, this is so uncomfortable to see these people be. Even though I know I'm like, all right, you're talking to someone like this is a show. Um, <laughs> this is a show. Um, but yet, just how awkward they were and how much they didn't get it and the awkward things that they would say and they would do and it would just, I'd be uncomfortable. Uh, I'm like, this is not relaxing to me. Um, I, I'm, I'm made all the more uncomfortable. But but we see, and and not just in this encounter. Um, but we see uh, God's desire to uh, to teach us in a way which is lasting, uh, and God's desire uh, through Jesus to convey truths that we so necessarily need to need to hear and and hold on to in a way that they stay with us, uh, in, a, in a way that they get deep down in us in such a way that they don't they're, that they're not fleeting. Uh, they're truths that we not only no, but experience. And so the reason I, I say all of that is, um, Jesus, um, uh, the disciples oftentimes are like, "This is awkward. End it. Um, this is awkward. Let us move on." But Jesus lets the awkward hang there. Uh, and in fact, in this, Jesus introduces it. Uh, he he puts it out there, and he doesn't immediately um, bring comfort and assurance. Uh, and and you and you think uh, certainly there there's there's a reason. Um, behind this, there's a reason that Jesus allows this awkwardness to take place. And in some of the commentary that I read on this, and in, uh, in commenting on Matthew's gospel, uh, it, it, it points out that um, that in many ways uh, she's being put to a test here. Uh, and not only is, is she being put um, to a test, but also uh, it's it's done in light of the disciples as well. There, there is a teaching moment. Uh, there is a teaching component that is going on for the disciples as well, that some of the assumptions that they have in their minds, some of the barriers that they have in their minds, some of their assumptions about uh, about God and about Jesus, that, that in order for these things to be challenged, uh, and, if, and if these things are going to be challenged, and if these things are going to be dispelled, light has to be shown on them. and, and and oftentimes in our lives, when light is shed on these things uh, in our lives, it's it's initially uncomfortable, isn't it? Uh, as as God reveals things to you and me, uh, as as God um, presses in um, on the unbelief in our lives, it's it's often initially it's it's uncomfortable. Uh, and quite frankly, God doesn't swoop in um, right away. He he allows us uh, for a period to dwell um, in that in that uncomfortable. We had opportunity yesterday with um uh the the advent house one of the great ministries here at the advent house if some of y'all uh you know some of you may know none of you may know uh, but it's a it's a great place to go for intercessory prayer um where we can go and take whatever it is um you know Concerns and sorrows, or, or joys and hopes and expectations—you know, what, whatever the whatever the spectrum of what it is you're experiencing in your life and seeking prayer for—it's a place where you can go and uh, and be prayed for, and, and really wonderfully uh, experience so many things. But but among them, uh, from that experience, to know that the, that that you're not only loved by God, but you're also loved and known by God in a very specific way. Uh, and that in the prayers, it's it's a revelation that God knows what's going on um, in, in our lives, and not only knows what's going on, but, but speaks to it in a very specific way. And we were, in the course of yesterday, reflecting on uh, Genesis 18, uh, and, um, you know, we're, being Episcopalians, I'll tell you what Genesis 18 is, um, and, you know, but I mean, hey, the reason I know what it is, because I did it yesterday. Uh, but uh, Genesis 18 is uh, when, uh, when the Lord uh, uh, appears um, to uh, Abraham and Sarah uh, by the oaks of Mamre. They, uh, and and uh, it's when uh, the Lord speaks the word to Abraham and Sarah that, you know, in about a year, I'm going to come back um, and, and Sarah um you're going to have a child that you're going to you know this promise which you've been given by God uh, is actually going to come to is going to come to fruition and and we're told uh we we read it's a and I just encourage you to to read it it's a great chapter 18 of Genesis it's a great encounter but we hear that Sarah laughs um and 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 not only laughs at the at at this point I forget exactly forgive me I should know Uh, Sarah's about 90 at this point right Uh, and 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 Sarah and it's a it's a mirthless laugh uh, she says that's ridiculous Uh, and you know what we're like we get it Um, Sarah had it been you or me we likely would have would have laughed as well but but interestingly um, among in addition to her sort of mirthless laugh to say this isn't this isn't possible um, she says "Um, you know what now that I'm now that I'm old and useless uh, is what she says. Now that I'm old and use, useless, God, you're, you're going to do this. You're going to give me this joy. Uh, you're going to give me um, this this promise. And 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 here's the here's the interesting thing that that happens. There's a there's a whole lot that's going on there. Part of what we see in this, God had spoken with Abraham, uh, but now in His grace and mercy, He's also speaking to Sarah as well. He He's including her um, much more proactively in the covenant. Uh, he's including her um, in the way that he's going to bring this promise into the world. Obviously, he was going to include her because it was going to have to do with the child. Uh, but but he's also speaking specifically to her as well. And and her response is to say, you know what, I'm I'm dried up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm useless. This is this is not going to happen through me. And interestingly, the Lord. Um, and this is why I'm mentioning this. The Lord presses in on this. And he, and he said, why did you laugh? And she said, I didn't laugh. Um, you know, it's kind of typical human nature. You know, why? Oh, I didn't laugh. Um, it must have been someone else um, that, that, that did it. But, he, but, but God, God won't let up. Um, he, he won't let up on this. And he, and he presses into this. He could have let it go. But no, he, he, make, he goes and makes it awkward. Um, he, he presses in and says, you did laugh. Uh, and then he actually um, steps it up even even further, and he, and he says to her, "Is this is this too much for me? Do you th- do you think this is too much for me? Do you think I can't do you think I can't accomplish this?" And he and he challenges her. Well, he challenges her unbelief. Uh, but and here's the thing that so often happens, and here's part of what I want to reflect on. If you're anything like me, you vacillate between pride and self-loathing. Um, and as I said, that's a real, that's a real healthy emotional swing, isn't it? Um, between pride and self loathing. You know, one minute, very full of yourself, and then you show up in the wrong thing. Um, and you know, you go to self loathing. Um, so, or, or just, you know, we, we experience that emotionally, and, and it affects us in the way that we approach God. Uh, and it, and it can often muddy our understanding of God and our relationship, uh, with God, uh, because we vacillate between, those emotions of, of of pride and sufficiency, uh, self sufficiency. I've got this too. Self loathing. I'm useless, uh, and 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 I have nothing, uh, and I have nothing to offer here. And so God presses in uh, with Sarah, uh, in essence, saying, You know what? You're not useless, uh, and you're not, um, and and you actually do. Uh, uh, I'm actually going to do great things um, through yes, through Abraham, but also through you. Uh, and And the fact that I have, by my initiative, have entered into a covenant relationship with you, you actually um, can come to me in a way where you have a claim on me and, and so it's a it's 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 a it's a both it's a both end and it sheds tremendous light on our relationship with god and this parable sheds tremendous light um, on our relationship with God in that what we see in this interchange between Jesus and the woman is the disciples, Jesus' closest followers, the insiders haven't gotten it. All along they haven't they, they they still are struggling to understand and to some degree they've gone away to tire inside and so Jesus can hopefully begin to get across to them who he is and to begin to get across to them the both the simplicity but also the depth of the gospel message um that that we have no claim on God based on our own righteousness. Um, that, that we that and so and there's where we we, we can fall too far into self-loathing, uh, which basically is unbelief. Uh, and and to some degree, what this self-loathing is is ultimately is unbelief. It's unbelief in the character of God uh, to say, you know what, I, I'm just I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm I'm useless. Uh, there there's no there's no hope or there's no chance there's no chance for me. That that's that's unbelief. Uh, and Jesus comes that that might be dispelled. Uh, God wants to press in um, awkwardly to drive out that unbelief uh, that we might know. And so uh, Jesus says rightly. Uh, I mean, I guess it's rightly because Jesus said it. I mean, who am I to, you know, who am I to to, to call him here? You know what? My, my mission is first and foremost to the people of Israel. Why? Because God is faithful, even though the people aren't faithful. God is faithful uh, and God is not God has every right and reason to forsake this people and say, I'm done with you. Um, you are a stiff, (laughs) by your own words, you're a stiff necked people. Um, and and I have every reason to say, you know what? I've, I've had it. Uh, y'all are done. You know, whatever. 300 strikes, you're out. Um, I've, I've had it with you people. Jesus says, no, I've first come, um, to the people of, of Israel. Why? Because God is faithful. Let the children be fed first. The children of Israel. For it is not right to take the children's bread uh, and throw it, uh, throw it to the dogs. And but she answered him, "Yes, Lord. Um, Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs." And he said to her, "For this statement, you may go your way. Uh, The demon has left your daughter. She, she gets it. Um, There is, uh, in essence, there's, there's, there's a trial." Um, which is set up for her, not because God is not loving and gracious, but, you know, just like so many times in our lives, by, by having to in, endure trials, to go through tests, to have things which require um, our perseverance, we, we come out of that stronger. Uh, we, we come out of it fuller. Uh, we come out of it more mature. We, we come out of it with a depth we didn't have before. And, and often that process isn't pleasurable, uh, and And can be challenging but but we see and we know that God is working for our formation uh, he's He's working um his salvation he's he's working on that we might be strengthened that we might grow in the knowledge of him uh, that we might grow in not rather than in a false confidence that we might grow in a godly confidence and in the original language there's a There's a there's a bit of a twist which goes on here. Jesus uses the term for dog uh, and she comes back uh, with the word for dog, which is typically used for a household pet, Um, basically saying, um, you know what? Yes, you're you're right. I can't come. I have no claim on you uh, of my own. Uh, But yet even even the servants in the household, even the family pets uh, draw from and eat um, the crumbs that fall uh, from the master's table she she gets that basic message of the gospel that we come to Jesus we come to God with with no claim of our own uh, with with no claim of our own we can't come on our own merits and and yet also being revealed in this and not just here but elsewhere is God's insistence to you and to me that we come to him with persistence uh, that we are able to come to him uh, with with persistence and we come to him recognizing we actually do have a claim um, but the claim is not based on us Uh, the claim is based on his character Uh, the claim is based on what he's made available to us in Jesus let me as as you hear this parable here let me ask you all this is there any portion of our liturgy that sounds familiar here prayer exactly the 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 prayer of humble access um, we do not presume to come to this thy table, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. For we are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table. Under thy table. But thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy. mercy. Uh, again, it, you know, say it's it's an awkward um little parable it's an awkward uh little encounter and yet again and in, in this encounter is the nutshell uh, of of the gospel we're not worthy um, to gather up the crumbs under thy table um lord based on our track record and our righteousness we're we're not worthy you know what that's yeah that that's that's right uh and and that knowledge uh in the way that he reveals his character is ultimately freeing to you and to me. But thou art the same Lord whose property is always to have mercy, um, and so this is encouraging and inviting you and me um, uh, to have this in mind in, in striking the balance. Uh, and as I say, it's it's a it's a challenge. Uh, I, I t- you know like so many things, and like the pendulum seems to overswing. Um, you know, it swings too far one way. And then it swings too far the other way, but it invites us to have a balance. What this woman realized, yeah, do I do I have any claim to come to you based on my merits? No. Um, and actually, that's 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 tremendously freeing, isn't it? Uh, if you're waiting to come to God till you had sufficient merits um, stacked up, sufficient good works, sufficient good thoughts, um, and and intentions that are actually acted upon in a positive way, you'd never come. Uh, you would you'd never. Uh, come to God. And so this woman comes like, yeah, I got nothing in my track record, but but word has traveled about you. Um, and I and I come in need. And, and and this need is is desperate to the point that, that I'm not going to let up. Uh, I'm going to keep coming. She's like the parable that Jesus tells of the unrighteous judge. The woman keeps coming and the judge says, fine, just so you'll leave me alone. Um, I'll, I'll give you. And Jesus says, you know what, how much more will I Hear your prayers and petitions, but I'm a, I'm a good judge. Uh, if, if a bad judge will do this, how much more um, will a good judge? We have in here the heart of the gospel that we can come to God with a claim, and the claim isn't based on our merits, but on His. Uh, we can come to Him, and, he, and in fact, it, this tells us something about how we might think about our relationship with Him, where we might come to Him um, with a humble boldness. We might come to Him with a humble boldness that is relentless, um, a humble boldness to come to him again and again and again in our in our prayers and our petitions and our um, seeking after him that that jesus seems to encourage this uh, as a as a window uh, into our relationship with him a window into our spiritual life where we might come with that humble boldness again and again and again and to, and to, and to seek him again and again and again because here's what ultimately happens as as we seek him he begins to shape and fashion our, our hearts and our minds after his. Uh, it's, it's in that interaction um, with him, which is at times pleasant, which is at times awkward, which is at times encouraging, which is at times um, challenging. It's ultimately what every relationship is. Uh, but in that, we, we grow. Uh, and in that honesty, in that candor, in that interaction, we, we grow closer in relationship with him. And also he begins to shape and fashion us in such a way that our hearts and minds begin to uh, more readily mirror his heart uh, and his mind. Um, So as I said, any reactions or questions or thoughts that this provoked here? Yeah, coffee? It's it's sort of reflective of today's gospel reading. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, And as I said, and you referred to several of these other passages, how often Jesus reveals himself to women. Mm-hmm. And you know from from the words from the cross, right? The, the, the judge. These two these two readings, Martha and Mary. Yes. And and how often Jesus inter- mm-hmm. intertwines ministry to women mm-hmm. in his in his overall ministry. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you remember, yeah, and and, and Matt had a great um, Matt had a great word today, uh, very much in line, uh, you know, very much in line with with this. And you know, in that encounter. It's interesting because, yeah, you tend to think that's why this is so jarring at first because in this, here's this Samaritan woman. She's an outsider so many different ways, and Jesus is having this interaction. And the disciples are actually shocked when they show up and he's talking he's talking to her. And yet there's that graciousness. There's the graciousness here as well, but it initially seems harsh uh, at first. Yeah, Ed, thank you. Coffee? I think she was coming to him and saying, I believe in the message I hear that you that you're saying. Yes. Even though I'm unworthy, I believe your message. Yes. Therefore, should I not be included? Ab, abs, absolutely. And of course, um, that was one of the things that was challenging for the people of that day. Uh, and interestingly, Mark's gospel, she's the first person to believe. Um, she's the first person. Um, she, <laughs> she's she's the first person to believe. And actually, it's interesting too, the, the Greek word which is used in this uh, as Mark describes this, the the abundance she's talking about, you know, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from. It's the, that word for abundance is the same Greek word which is used in the feeding of the four thousand and the feeding of the five thousand. Um, so there is an additional for the hearers. Um, there, there's an additional insight into her understanding of the abundance uh, of God's of God's mercy. I mean, she she persists because she knows more so than Jesus' closest followers at this stage of the game. And it's the first to believe. How, uh, this is a private revelation to a Gentile. How common at that stage in Jesus' ministry was a revelation to a, any Gentile? In, in, in incredibly, incredibly rare. And, and interestingly, if, if you remember at the beginning of Jesus' um, public ministry, he actually mentions another. where likely this woman was a widow. Maybe she maybe she wasn't. But the fact that she came to Jesus and not her husband or someone else seems to speak to the fact that she's, if not a widow, uh, doesn't have uh, doesn't have a husband. Again, you know, in that time and place, that you know just wouldn't be done. But interestingly, uh, it's extremely rare. But one of the things that Jesus um, winds up the Jews with at the start of his ministry in Luke four, if you remember. At First, they're, they marvel at his teaching and how fantastic, and then they get offended when Jesus says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, and then basically says, I'm the fulfillment, and they go to throw him off the hill, but he winds them up even further. Um, if you remember, he says, you know what? This reminds me of a time um, when there was a drought um, over Israel, and, and God only performed two miracles, and they were to outsiders. They were to widows, and it goes back to Elijah, the widow uh, whose son was... Was rescued uh, in Tyre and Sidon um, one time, and Jesus basically says, "You know what? If y'all continue to be stiff-necked, this will this will go to the people who will receive it." So, um, incredibly rare um, that this would, and again, uh, would be in many ways offensive, um, uh, offensive to his hearers. <laughs> Not that Jesus seems to mind being offensive um, or, or or challenging. Status quo assumptions or or ruffling feathers. Yeah, very very rare at this point. Yes. I was thinking uh, what you were saying about Genesis 18 and. And then, uh, so so Sarah laughed at herself, saying, "After I'm worn out, my and my Lord, and my Lord is old, shall I have this pleasure?" Right. Yeah, and Abraham's worn out too. Uh, we're both worn out, was uh, what she says. And I was thinking about uh, Tim Keller he used the phrase, uh, "We tend toward self-flagellation or self-pity." Mm-hmm. You know, I, don't, I don't know if that's what that is. And uh, yeah. and then then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed have bare child now that I'm old? In other words, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, God says that himself. Yes. And uh, so somehow this woman in this passage was graced to not be saying, well, you know, uh, I you know, yeah, flagellation or self-pity there. And I, yeah, and I really appreciate your sharing that. And, and there's the challenge, because um, we're, we're we're called to be we're called to be humble and to recognize that we have no claim on God based on our merits, right? But where we where we twist that and distort that is when we fall into self-flagellation and self-pity, uh, which is which you know basically takes the first half without uh, honoring and 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 receiving the second half, which is the property of God to have mercy. Um, and even I love as 18 goes on, you know, it's the whole. um Abraham contending with with God back and forth God saying, look, you know, I've, I've come down and, and judgment is about to fall on Sodom. And, and um, it's this interaction that Abraham has. Basically, we see, Abra- you know, Abraham wasn't the Grinch, but it's kind of like the Grinch. You know, it says, you know, what is his heart grew four sizes that day or something. We, we see that that Abraham's heart has begun to grow and that he begins to make intercession for the people of, of Sodom. Um, and going back and going, well, all right. If they're fifty righteous, will you destroy it? All right. Um, well, what about if they're forty-five? Um, and of course, they, he keeps going on, and, and he approaches them humbly. Says, you know, God, who am I to question you? I'm dust and ashes. But um, will you uh, will you consider this? Will you consider that? That's yet another example of what we see. What Abraham is doing with God, we see this uh, Syrophoenician woman doing with God. Coming with that that humble boldness, uh, appealing to God on His on His mercies. So yeah, not falling prey to the self-pity and the self-flagellation. And you know, really, quite frankly, our, our self-pity is ultimately our our pride played out in another way. Um, when we fall into self-pity, it's it's basically our pride played out in another way because we're saying, "How could that happen to a person like me?" Um, you know, I can't believe something like this. A person as fine as I am, um, I can't believe someone would say that about me. Someone would do that to me because I would never do something like that. Woe is me. So it's, yeah, it's it's just pride manifested in another way. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I would hang out all day, um, but I'm supposed to dress out for the next round. Um, it really is. This, this is... Um, that's yeah, that's right. I've got to be presentable in just a moment. Um, it really is a, a, a treat to have this time with y'all, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you uh, and your thoughts, and grateful for this time. Uh, you know, before I go, I'll, I'll just mention. And it's funny, I haven't really I've drawn upon this a ton in the past. I haven't really drawn it on it too much now. Um, this is a great book, Robert Capon, uh, Kingdom, Grace, and Judgment: Paradox, Outrage, and Vindication in the Parables of Jesus. It's uh, it's a, it's really, it's a great book on the parables of, of Jesus. He's, um, he's funny and he's engaging and he's a provocateur. I mean, he's really, he's a great guy to read and, and, and very much a person who understands uh, the, the gospel of God's grace. So that's a, um, kingdom grace and judgment. That's a, that's a, that's a great one there. And you know, this as well. I don't know that any of, any of you are really looking for. Hey, I'm looking for a great commentary on Mark's gospel. Um, but this guy, uh, James Edwards, I think rocks. Uh, he's written some different things. He's fantastic. But his commentary on the Gospel of Mark—it's part of the uh, Pillar New Testament Commentary series. You know, I don't know if you're just saying, you know what, I—I I want a good commentary on Mark's Gospel. I kind of sense that from y'all. Um, so, but anyway, if if you're just interested in a little bit more, this—I uh, mean, really. Does the bookstore have them? The bookstore. Uh, used to have this. I don't know if we still do or not. They they may. We've I know we we definitely have carried it. Pardon me? Asking she'll get it. Well, exactly, and she'll get it. Um and this one, you know, we don't stock a lot of these, but I think we might have even had one of these in the past. But uh anyway, let us pray. Thank you, heavenly Father, for this uh, for this time for these uh, people gathered here and pray Lord that you would uh, plan in our hearts that that humble boldness where we might seek after you again and again and again that we might place our prayers and petitions before you and that encountering you Lord we might uh, develop um, that which Paul speaks of that that perseverance produces uh, endurance and endurance character and uh, character hope and hope does not disappoint us most gracious God because our hope is in you whose property it is to have mercy. And so these prayers we offer now in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.